You're listening to sermon audio from Gospelite Baptist Church. For more resources or to donate to this ministry, please visit gospelite.org. Well, last week, we introduced our theme and our theme verse to Gospelite. Hey, this is just Sunday number two. So if you were here last week and you're here this week, so far 100% attendance. And if you're here this week and you weren't here last week, you're still doing pretty good. One for two, not bad. Good job. You're here early enough to really get in on what this is all about. Colossians 3.17 says, And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of our Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the Father through him. Isn't that amazing? What a verse. Memorize that verse. Let that verse indelibly become a part of your DNA. That is what we are calling our theme verse for this year. Our theme verse means that we are going to make Jesus our lead story. We want Jesus to be the headline of our lives. That's the title of my message this morning. Who is the headline of your life? I woke up this morning. I I do subscribe. I'm one of the few that subscribes to the Sentinel Record. You only get one paper a week in your yard. It's on Sundays. Can I tell you what the headline in Hot Springs is this week? Here it is. The headline. This is the story for Hot Springs. Former JP's residency qualification raises questions. That's big time, right? We're not sure about this former JP whose residency adds some questions to his qualifications. That is what Hot Springs, Arkansas today wants us to know is the headline story in the city of Hot Springs. Well, I want you to know the headline of Gospel Light should be, it's all about Jesus. And that's what we're going to be talking about. So what does it mean for us at Gospel Light when we say the headline should be this? It's all about Jesus. Well, it means that Jesus is the sole narrative of our lives. It means that he holds, and we'll see this in the text this morning. He holds the preeminent place in our hearts. Jesus stands at the center of everything that we undertake. It means that Jesus is just not part of our story. He's the essence of it all. It means that we firmly believe that Jesus is unrivaled and unparalleled across history and across eternity. It means that his name stands as the exclusive means of salvation and his power alone can raise us from the dead. It means that our primary objective is not just bringing people to church, but introducing people to Jesus. And this is why we proudly proclaim in 2024 that we desire above all else to be a Jesus-centered church. It's all about Jesus, this is our identity as a church. And we need to have the courage to lift up one name in a culture where there's so many different names. And this name is above every name. And that name is Jesus because it's all about Jesus. It was a song that Reba Rambo. Have I got any Reba Rambo? Anybody know Reba Rambo? Heard of Reba? I got If you are, you're over 50 for sure, maybe close to 60, could be like Raz and Esther in their 70s, right? Any other Reba Rambo? Come on, raise your hand if you know her, if you haven't raised it already. One, two, three, four. But you've never heard of Reba Rambo? Okay, that's all right. 
We only had five or six in the first service. You say, preacher, what are you getting to? Well, I was just curious if anybody had ever heard of her. She was part of that Jesus movement era when contemporary Christian music was kind of coming on the scene. These little choruses were coming into churches. And our little old church, this chorus came into our church, and we began to sing it almost every week. I still remember the song, and it goes like this. Lift him up, lift him up. Lift the name of Jesus higher. Lift him up. Raise his headline, his banner to the sky. He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Lift him up. All ye people, lift him up. Praise his name. Praise his name. Praise his righteousness forever. Praise his name. Lift your voices to the sky. He said, if I won't praise his name, then the rocks and stones will cry out. Praise his name. All ye people, praise his name. Show his love. Show his love, show his love to everybody. Show his love, let your candle always shine. He said that by the love we show, they will know we're his disciples. Show his love, all ye people, show his love. That's what I'm talking about this morning. That's our goal. That's our desire. That's our our prayer is that we would be a church that lifts high the banner, the headline of Jesus Christ. It is all about Jesus. And if it's all about Jesus for the church house at 600 Garland Street, then it needs to be all about Jesus at my house at 621 Third Street. And it needs to be all about Jesus at your house, whatever your address is. May Jesus be the headline of our lives. Now, what's interesting is, believe it or not, Gospelite or Champion has had a few headlines in Hot Springs. Do you want to check them out? I've got a couple for you. Here it is. Here's the first one. We actually made the headline when Gospelite purchased the buildings here at Second Baptist. There I am shaking the hands of one of the gentlemen that sat on the deacon board who finally, two years after our initial offer, uh, took our, our offer and we purchased the facilities, and they said, hey, they captured their vision. I like that, don't you? We made the headlines that day. That's pretty cool, right? Hey, we made the headlines when we, uh, when we built that dormitory. Champion was kind of becoming, uh, uh, it was a new college in town, so they wanted to cover that along with uh, our accreditation. And uh, thank you, Ch- Champion sees its small size as a big advantage. Go on to the next one. These are just headlines. I mean, in the set of the record, there we are, poised for a bright future. Go on to the next one. I think the next one has to do with uh, bringing home the national title. That was a headline. And then we, uh, we got closer to a cre- All these things were headlines in our local paper. Pretty cool. We can, we can say, hey, you know what? There was a time when it wasn't the JP's residency that was in question. The big news was champion or, or gospelite. We actually have made the headlines. But I want you to know that the headline of our church and of our life should read... It's all about Jesus. I mean, listen, if this world really knew the truth about the fact that Jesus is our creator, that he owns it all, he created it all, it started with him and it's going to end with him, they would put that on the front of the New York Times. Can I get an amen? That's the headline. It's all about Jesus. So, 
Let's go back to the book of Colossians. Not chapter 3 today, but chapter 1. And I want to help us lay a foundation for why Jesus should be number one. Why he should be preeminent. Why this theme is right on target. Why he should be number one. Of all the books in the New Testament, it is Colossians that emphasizes Jesus and his preeminence. Jesus' rightful place in our lives. He deserves this place. He is above all thrones and powers and dominions, as we'll see in just a moment. And Paul is trying to convince the readers here in this church as they receive this letter that Christ is all they need. But as a pastor and even as a Christian at times, I've questioned that. Maybe you, like me, have had questions. You ever had a question? I mean, is it really all about Jesus? How how can it be all about Jesus? Paul knew that the church at Colossae had questions. Questions like, how do we believe there's a good God in an evil world? I've had that question asked to me before. I've also had believers ask me, how can Jesus really be the only way? I mean, it just seems kind of skewed to me just a little bit. These questions that sometimes we ask as we begin to contemplate the theme this year that it's all about Jesus. Sometimes false teaching and heresy can slip in. And Paul saw that happening here in Colossae. And he, and he had to understand, help them to understand that what was happening is they were minimizing Jesus. And they were maximizing intellectualism. They were maximizing rationalism. Like our society today is doing. And in doing that, they were minimizing Jesus. Many thought that Jesus was important, but not essential. Jesus was prominent, but not preeminent. And so Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writes this letter to the church at Colossae to correct these errors. Paul shows us that Jesus is superior. Paul shows us that the song we just sang, he reigns above it all, is really true. Colossians is one of the most Christ-centered books in all the Bible. In Colossians, we find there's four chapters, 95 verses, 1,869 words. In 24 verses, the word Christ is mentioned 26 times. In eight other verses, the word Jesus is mentioned eight times. In 28 verses, the little word all is mentioned 32 times. If you were to do the math and divide the number of times Christ and Jesus is mentioned by the number of verses that are in, or sentences, verses that are in that chapter, you would come to the conclusion that about one out of every three sentences is about Jesus. It'd be like having a conversation with Vince like this. Hey, Vince, hope you had a good week. Weather sure is cold out there, but but God's in control. Hey, Vince, how you doing today? I hope you have a great week. Boy, Jesus is good, isn't he? Hey, Vince, uh, uh, what you got going on this week? Maybe we get together for lunch. God's got this. I mean, every three sentences. Think with me for just a minute. If, if we had such a connection with Jesus that every conversation had something to do with him. This is what we see in the book of Colossians. In Colossians chapter 1, it gives us an answer to the question, why is it all about Jesus? It's all about him, but why? Well, I'm going to give you three reasons why, but before I do that, can I just establish something before we actually get to the text? 
that the number one reason, and it's obvious as to why it's all about Jesus, is because he saved me. I owe my life to Jesus. Well, I do. Anybody else? Amen. I owe my life to Jesus because he saved me. Listen to these two verses before we actually arrive at the text. In Colossians chapter 1, beginning of verse 13, it says that he rescued me. He rescued me from darkness. He transferred me into the kingdom of the son whom he loves. And not only that, but I have redemption. The forgiveness of my sins. Here in this little verse, we can see three things. He saved me. He rescued me. I love that old hymn. Rescue the perishing, care for the dying. Snatch them in pity from sin and the grave. Weep o'er the erring one. Lift up the fallen. Tell them of Jesus, the mighty to save. Jesus saved me. I owe him my life. It was September the 1st, 1978, that he lifted me up out of the miry clay and he set my foot, my feet upon a solid rock and he saved me from hell and he transferred me. He relocated me. I mean, he's rescued me and relocated me. Listen, this is the business that Jesus does when he saves us. He transfers us from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of his beloved son. What a transfer. Listen, he is a kingdom-changing God. And then he goes on to say that not only did he rescue us and not only did he relocate us, but he redeemed us. I mean, listen, he set me free. He's forgiven me. He paid the debt for all of my sin. Wow. So first of all, church, let me just say this. If I were to conclude the message right now, which maybe some would appreciate, hopefully not many, I'm not done yet. But if I were, I've said enough for it to be all about Jesus. I mean, that, that, that's, that's reason enough for it to be all about Jesus. Have you ever heard anyone say, or have you said, if all God ever did was save me, I would owe him my life. But there's so much more than that. And as we understand this text, we read it last week as part of our worship. We are preached from it this week as part of our worship through word. I want you to notice with me three reasons why Jesus should be the headline story of everybody's life, including this church. Let's read together the text in Colossians chapter 1. I'll read it slowly because I really desire for everyone here to have a greater understanding of these five verses. The Son. Who is the Son? He's Jesus. Who is Jesus? He is the image of the invisible God. He's also the firstborn over all creation. For in him, Jesus, all things were created. Things in heaven, things in earth, things that are visible, things that are invisible. Thrones, powers, rulers, authorities, all things. All things have been created through him. And all things have been created for him. He, Jesus, is before all things. And in him, all things hold together. And he, Jesus, is the head of the body, the church. Pastor, I thought thought you were the head of the church. I'm not the head of this church. 
Jesus is the head of the church. He's the beginning. He's the firstborn among the dead. So that in everything, Jesus might have the supremacy. For God was pleased. This one here is, it's unfathomable. It's really hard to wrap your mind around this short verse. That God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Jesus. All of God in Jesus. And through him, to reconcile to himself all things. Are we, are we all things? Yes. So through him, to reconcile himself to all things, his creation, whether things on earth, things in heaven, he did it by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Now, I want you to notice in the text we just read, there are seven times that little word all is mentioned. In fact, it's kind of interesting that the word all rhymes with the apostle Paul. Paul loved the word all. And he said also 12 references to Jesus in that one little text. In five verses, we see him, his, or he, all referencing Jesus. So as we've read that text together, Now let's talk about three ways that you can live with Jesus as the headline of your life. you got to understand these things. This is a beginning place. It's the second Sunday of the year. My desire is to connect people to Christ in such a way that they would realize it's not about the pastor. It's not about the sermon. It's not about the series. It's not about uh, putting together, crafting a service. It's about Jesus. It's about him. If we didn't have any of these things, we still have him. It's all about Jesus. Number one, the first way to make Jesus the headline of your life is to honor Jesus as the owner of it all. It's all about Jesus because Jesus owns it all. He owns it all. Now, to establish that, we'll go to verse 15 and and we'll see in that little text, first of all, that Paul is saying here that Jesus is God and he owns everything as the creator God. Look with me, if you would, please. It says the son, Jesus, that's who it is. He is the image. Now pay attention here. He's the image of the invisible God. Paul describes Jesus as the image of the invisible God. Think about that with me for just a minute. Prior to Jesus walking on earth, God would have been invisible. But when Jesus walked on earth, he became the image of, of what was the invisible God. That's New Testament. Now, Old Testament talks about Moses, and I'm reading through the Old Testament right now, and I've already passed this verse, and I want to share it with you. I thought it was astounding that Moses, in Exodus chapter 4, was said of him, or rather, excuse me, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 27, excuse me. It says about Moses, by faith he left Egypt behind, behind, not being afraid of the king's anger. Here it is. For Moses persevered as one who sees him who is invisible. Think about it. We can see the effects of an invisible God. Just like you can't see the wind, but you can see the effects of the wind. Does that make sense? How many of you, you didn't see the wind this week, but you saw the effects of the wind? 
right? It's been windy. Trees have fallen. There's been a lot of some damage that's been done, and things have been slowed down because of an invisible wind, but we see the effects of that wind. And I want you to know, we can see the effects of God. We may not see God, but we see the effects of God, his power, his greatness, his glory, his, his grace. We can see those things. And so when the Lord Jesus came to this earth, the, the Bible describes him as the image of the invisible God. If you want to know what God is like, you just look at his image. Jesus, just look at his image. This morning, I got up early, got to my office, and I was studying the text again. And I thought, oh, my, I wish I would have turned in John chapter 1. In John chapter 1, we, we hear these outstanding words about Jesus. That in the, the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things, there it is again, all things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the... The, the, the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. There's Jesus becoming flesh, dwelling among us. We've seen his glory. What kind of glory is it? It's the glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. You see, if you'd never met me, if you'd never met me, if you didn't know what I looked like, If you've never heard of me, then more than likely in this day and age, what you do is you type my name into what? Google. That's what everybody does. You know, I've heard that pastor down there at Gospel, I'm thinking about going, I wonder what he looks like. So you'd Google my name and this is what would show up. You'd have pictures. I mean, all kinds of pictures. Some of me, some of my, me and my wife, me and my family, but on that computer screen, you would see images of someone who you had never seen. But Jesus is more than a picture of God on Google. Jesus is God in the flesh. Hebrews says this about Jesus in Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3. He is the son the radiance of God's glory. He is the exact, I love that word, the exact, exactly the express image of his nature. He sustains all things by his powerful word. Jesus is the exact image of God. Some of my boys looked like me when I was younger, but by far, the boy that looked most like me when I was born and he was born was Mo. Check it out. There it is. Pretty close, right? That's me, and that's Mo, and not much has changed. (laughs) He still kind of looks like me, doesn't he? It's my son. But I want you to know that Mo could never say, he that has seen me has seen the Father. He couldn't say that because Mo is not the exact image of me. But Jesus was the exact image of God. Jesus was the embodiment of the Father. Jesus was God in the flesh. That's why Scripture says Jesus makes the invisible visible. But there's more that Paul is teaching us here. Paul wants us to grasp something else. And again, these these messages... Don't have enough time to contain all that's in this truth. And to be honest with you, I don't have enough bandwidth in my theological knowledge to understand it all. 
But, but I do know that there's something else here that Paul is teaching us in that very first verse when he says this, that he was the firstborn over all creation. What does it mean when it says that Jesus was the firstborn? It's, it's an interesting statement because we know that Jesus was born, but he existed way before he was born. He, wasn't, he didn't begin to exist when he was born. So when it says he is the firstborn, what does that term mean? Well, the term firstborn to them was a term of position. Here's where that Exodus verse comes in, chapter 4, verse 22. It talks about Pharaoh here, and God says this to Pharaoh, Israel, the nation of Israel, is my firstborn son. It didn't have so much to do with the order that you were born, but the position, the nation of Israel was given a position. And that's what this is. Jesus is the firstborn. He has a position. He was before anything was. Therefore, as the creator, as the owner of it all, he deserves to be preeminent. He deserves first place in our lives. He is my leader. I am his follower. He deserves all the honor because he is the owner. All honor the owner. It's all about Jesus. Colossians 1.16 says this, for everything was created by him. Everything in heaven and earth, the visible, the invisible, thrones, dominions, rulers, authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. For just a moment, look at that verse. And you'll no longer really wonder why the winds and the seas obeyed him. He created them. The hands in the carpenter shop when Jesus was a boy. And he was creating things with wood. Those hands that held that wood were the same hands that created that wood. When Jesus took the bread and broke the loaves. He created the wheat. That made those loaves. When Jesus looked at those nails that would pierce his hands and feet, he created the iron that created the nails that would pierce his hands and feet. He created the people that would nail him to a cross. Everything. Everything. He's the creator. That means I know that he understands everything about me. So again, church, why? Why? How do we answer this question? Why this theme? Why is it all about Jesus? Because we are to honor Jesus as the owner of it all. And when you think about it, verse 16 answers life's two biggest questions. And I, I assume these are the two biggest questions. It's only an assumption. But it has a lot to do with some of the counseling I do, especially with young people and young adults. Maybe, well, all of us here today, we're at one time a young person or a young adult, Right? And maybe even some of us are still struggling with our purpose in life, our identity. Why are we here? I think life's two biggest questions are, does life matter? And why am I here? And I see the answer to the, both of those questions in verse number 16. To the question, does my life matter? The answer is a resounding yes. Why? You were created by him. And that's what verse 16 says. Everything was created by him. Listen, church family, your worth is not found in the way you look. Your worth is not found in what you own. 
Your worth is not found in what you do. Your worth is found in the fact that you were created by Almighty God. Listen to this verse in Psalm 139, verse 13. For it was you, it was you who created my inward parts. You knit me together. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I'm going to praise you. My life does matter. I've been remarkably and wonderfully made. Yes, your life matters. And then secondly, why am I here? I often hear that question. What what is the meaning of life? What's my purpose? Why am I here? The answer to that question too is found in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 16. Where scripture clearly says that all things have been created through him. And get this, for him. You were created for him. When I was a young teenager, I came across this verse and God illuminated this in my heart. I mean, I, I, for the first time as a young person, I began to understand that I'm special. It doesn't matter if I'm special to you. I mean, I'd like to be. It'd be nice, but I know I'm special to God. So I wrote this little chorus. I haven't sung it probably in 30 years. It's definitely not going to reach worship status at gospel light, trust me. It goes like this. I'm special. I'm important. There's only one like me. There'll never be another one. Oh, yes, that's plain to see. For God created me special with a will and plan in mind. He calls me to his table to eat with him and dine. So forever I will walk with him for all the world to see. I'll live for him and walk with him for all eternity. As a young 16-year-old boy, I began to realize I'm special. I'm important. There's only one like me. There'll never be another one. God loved me so much. He created me, crafted me, knit me together in my mother's womb. I am here for him. I'm here for him above everything else. I've been created for him. I have a purpose. And that is to glorify him. The highest purpose for you breathing air is that you were designed to be in relationship with God. That's the highest purpose. Not to make money, not to be famous, not to be rich, not to be popular. Not even to get married. I mean, all those things might happen in a lifetime, but more than anything else, you were designed first to be in relationship with God. That's why until that happens, nothing else really fits into place. Life is confusing, it's, it, it's chaotic, it's crazy, it never really works together. We try this, we try that, we try this, we try that to fill all these voids in our lives. And Jesus says, hey, I didn't create you for that. I created you to be in relationship with me. That's what God desires. And so Paul says, Jesus created you, therefore he owns you. Stop living as a selfish owner and start living as a loving steward of God's creation. He created you. So how do you live with Jesus as the headline? First of all, honor Jesus as the owner of it all. Secondly, in the text, you're going to see Paul shows us something else. He says, 
Hold Jesus in awe because he holds you together. Hold him in awe because he holds everything, including you, including me, together. Jesus, it's all about Jesus because Jesus originated it all. This passage says in verse 17 that he existed before the world began. Is that amazing? Hard to understand that, but he did. It's powerful. Look at it with me in the text. In Colossians 1.17, it says that he existed before anything else. Wow. Before anything else existed, before an atom existed, before a molecule existed, before a bird existed, before a human existed, before a tree existed, before the atmosphere existed, before air existed, before a star existed, before anything. Jesus existed before anything else. And he holds creation together. Jesus is the sustainer of life. Without him, everything would revert to chaos. Jesus keeps the world spinning, literally. I mean, listen, all the laws of physics, all the laws of energy, all the laws of biology, he is the one holding it all together. That means that Jesus is at work all around us every single moment. Right now, we are only sitting here in our seats without floating going crazy the world listen you ever heard that song he's got the whole world in his hands he, that may be one of the most theologically correct songs ever written he does because if he didn't this world would explode the only way this world is held together is he's got the world in his hands he holds it all together in him It's an illustration. I'd just like to read it to you on the screen. Follow along. You may have heard about laminin. Laminin is a protein molecule. It is a message of the glory of God in the human body. It's a cell molecule, uh, adhesion molecule. It holds our body together. This particular molecule is like glue in the body. It's one of the smallest cells in your body and amazingly, It's in the shape of a cross. The cross of Christ is what holds us together in a relationship with God. So literally in our body is a microscopic cross-shaped protein molecule that is holding us together. It's not proof of God or scientific proof of the person of God. Not at all. It's just one of those God coincidences that the creator of everything did to put a little trace in our DNA of who we are so that one day we'll discover that our bodies are being held together by a symbol that we've come to love and enjoy. Amen. He holds it all together. Honor Jesus as the owner of it all. Hold Jesus in awe because he holds it all together. And thirdly, and in closing, humble yourself before Jesus, who is over you. Humble yourself before him, because he is over you. It's all about Jesus. Don't miss this. It's so simple. We just sang it. But it's all about Jesus, because Jesus is over all. If Jesus is over me, then what am I? I am under him. I'm under him. 
I follow Jesus. By the way, I, I, I need us to be careful this morning about the reason why we, we live for Jesus. And the reason why we follow Jesus, it's not based on whether or not I follow Jesus. Yes, Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. And I think he said that to people who may have been immature, maybe young Christians, maybe those who had not been discipled and they needed an example. But I'm, I'm, I'm convinced of this, that if all we ever do is follow Jesus as we follow someone else, that if that someone else were to fall, then we stop following Jesus. So many people today are out of church. They, they're out of, they, they've, they've stopped walking with God. Very frankly, they may have never really truly began a relationship with God and truly been saved because they've made a decision to follow someone else's faith. Listen, Jesus is over all. He is over you. And whether or not I or anyone else follows Jesus, you can follow him. It's all about Jesus because Jesus is overall. Look at it in Colossians chapter 1. It clearly says that he is the head of the body, the church. Not, not Erica Pacey, but God. Not any pastor. He's the beginning. He's the firstborn from the dead. So that he might come to have first place. I love it. That word first place simply means preeminence. When we use that big word preeminence, we simply mean he is first in everything. Boy, Paul never leaves room for us to decide if it's just a few things or some things or it's everything. And there's that statement, my favorite in the text, that God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. God created man and then God became that which he created, man. Mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing just in the fact that God made man like him. But then it's breathtaking that God became like man. He reversed it. Jesus' authority is clearly seen in this text. That, and his, is the fact that he created everything is echoed in all of these verses. That he is preeminent. He is the first to rise again from the dead, never to die again. Amen. He is the head of the church. He is the one that we follow together. He is the head of the body. Therefore, he should be the headline of our church and the headline of our lives. If Jesus is over all, then I am under him and I humble myself before God this morning. Think about this. In 1 Peter 5, it says, all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another Because God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Under. Humble yourselves under God. Let go of the steering wheel. Let God have control. Humble yourself. James reminds us in James 4.10. Humble yourselves before the Lord. And he will exalt you. He will. It's all about Jesus. He is preeminent. He's the way maker. Hey, he's the peacemaker. It goes on to say in Colossians 1.20 that through him, he reconciled everything to himself. Whether things on earth or things in heaven. How did he do this? By making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Church family, this is the greatest news that's ever been given. 
Think about it. Jesus shed his blood on the cross to provide a way for us to have peace with God. Wow. Jesus did that for us. Because he died for us, we can be saved. And the Lord Jesus desires to come alongside you this morning to walk with you through 2024 for it to be all about him. Why? Because he owns you. Because he originated everything. He is over all. It's all about Jesus. I want to slowly and, and very passionately read this closing text in a paraphrase. You know, so much of what we do when we preach is just paraphrase scripture. It's like the Eric Capese, Capese version every Sunday. It's not word for word. It's, it's just my thoughts about the passage. Here's what Mr. Peterson said. When it comes to the church, he organizes and holds it together like a head does a body. He was supreme in the beginning and leading the resurrection parade. He is supreme in the end. From beginning to end, he's there towering far above everything else. Everyone so spacious is he so expansive that everything of God finds its proper place in him without crowding. Not only that, but all the broken and all the dislocated pieces of the universe, people, anybody here broken? My hands up, dislocated. All of that things, animals, atoms, all of that gets properly fixed together in him in vibrant harmonies. And this all happens because of his death, his blood that was poured down from the cross. Wow. It all starts there. Has there come a time in your life where you have applied that shed blood to your sins? It's a free gift. The Bible says it's a gift from heaven. It's a gift from God. He gave us that gift for to cover, to pay for our sins so that we could be saved. And when we begin that relationship with God in salvation, that's only the beginning. I told you last week that I've rededicated my life to it being all about Jesus. So 44 years in, I'm still being sanctified. I'm still being changed into his likeness. I'm still seeing things I've never seen before. God is changing me from the inside out. God is helping me to understand that it really hasn't been all about Jesus. But it's starting to be. It's going to be. Whether I like it or not. So I might as well like it. Might as well embrace it. He created me. He owns me. He originated me. He deserves all the honor. If you're here today and you've never been saved, I encourage you this morning to feel welcomed and received and accepted if you need to come forward. We'll have some elders at the front that would love to take a moment and pray with you. If you need prayer in the building, please don't hesitate to come and feel as if anyone would look on you any other way but just with, with thankfulness that God's working in your life and in my life.
And if there's any kind of response that you need to make to this theme, to this verse, to this passage, if there's any kind of response, our altars are open. You can pray where you are. You can just stand and worship and enjoy the the next couple of songs as we continue to make it all about Jesus. Father, I love you. I thank you for what we've done this morning together, how we have come together to worship the King of kings and Lord of lords, the name that is above every different name. Lord, no name is higher than your name. And our desire this morning is to make you the headline of this church, the headline of our homes, and the headline of our lives. God, I pray this morning that as we continue to study this passage and make it more a part of our lives, that, Lord, we would truly recognize you and your supremacy, your preeminence, that you deserve to be first place in our lives. And may we, may we give you that seat, God, willingly, lovingly. May we desire that this morning. Father, thank you so much for what you're teaching me and us together. God, I love you. Be with us as we continue to to worship. In Jesus' name, amen. Shall we stand?